0: Nobody on the playoffs to Murphy. Left hand batter. strike three call
1: to the knees and right down the middle of the plate,
2: but down Murphy Some games go.
1: Stay out in the field Hello and welcome to episode three of Autographs, an auto new fantasy baseball podcast hosted on Rotographs. I'm your host, Joe Douglas, and joining me tonight is Trey Bond and Justin Vibber. How are you doing tonight, guys?
0: Good, Joe. Hey, Joe.
1: We actually have a special guest on tonight's episode. It's Chris Mitchell from Fangraphs. You may know him as the guy respo- responsible for publishing Cato uh, prospect rankings on Fangraphs. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We actually wanted to have you talk about Cato's prospect rankings and maybe just give a quick overview of the system and how you developed it. Um, maybe talk about like what Cato stands for.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, Cato is a computer-based model um, that uses minor league stats to produce long-term major league forecasts. So for each minor league player, Cato spits out a projected war, wins above replacement, um, over the first six years in the big leagues. Um, you always hear that you should never scout the stat line, and um, although I obviously break that rule, there, there's some truth to it. Um, on their own, stats can get you only so far when it comes to evaluating prospects, so it would be foolish to ignore the scouting aspect completely, but um, at the same time, I found that the stats themselves do have some predictive value, and since Kato is completely objective, it, it can be useful in identifying players who might be overlooked or overrated by more traditional approaches.
1: So recently you've published Cato's top 100 prospect list. And I know over the past year, year and a half, you've made some changes to how Cato has the, has ranked prospects.
3: Could you talk about maybe what a couple of those changes are? Right. Um, I think one of the biggest changes that I've put in recently is that it now takes into account multiple years, where in the past it just kind of looked at one season and used that to project going forward. And that obviously had some flaws because a lot of flukiness can take place over the course of one season and uh, using multiple years of data certainly improves the predictive value of of the projection. So that was definitely the biggest one. Um, I think in addition to that, one of the big ones was that I regressed all of the stats. Um, So in these newer versions, Cato is less likely to um, believe in a guy who maybe hits a lot of home runs and only 200 or 300 plate appearances. And it's more likely to treat, performances like that with a grain of salt where whereas it's more likely to believe if someone does it over the course of a full season okay so maybe a player like joey gallo for example um yeah joey gallo for example if he's um in a small sample and with certain, looking at certain statistics which stabilize more quick, quickly than others okay how'd you get well, started
2: think... doing this um chris i'm just curious i mean have you always had a a passion for prospecting and scouting, and you just decided to find a, a another input into the process. What's what's the background?
3: Yeah, basically. I mean, I've pretty much always been following prospects ever since I was, you know, like 10, 12 years old. I was looked at the top 100 list, printed out the Baseball America list and kind of studied them and looked about, looked at them. And kind of once I got older and had some quantitative chops, I kind of started to think about the why and to see if there was some way I could maybe predict prospects in a way that hasn't been done before. Whereas in the past, mostly prospecting has been purely scouting with a little bit of stats, but not in any uh, completely objective manner. So I just decided to try my hand at this. And I found that the stats were actually more predictive than I kind of anticipated they'd be.
0: Uh, If I can jump in real quick, I know that one of the other changes you made with the system was uh, originally Cato was designed that the, the number that was spit out was the, the war through age 28, which sort of artificially might lower, you know, like an older prospect a 23 or 24 year old obviously wouldn't have as, as long to accumulate up to through 28. And I think you just made a change where you now you do up to 28 or six years if, 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 you know, if the prospect's 24, for example.
3: Correct. Yeah. And that was And you such- think
0: that, that created more reliability and more, uh,
3: yeah, I think so because lots of times you have a guy who, especially if he's a college draftee, um, he might not get to the big leagues till he's like 24, or 25, and right, in right. cases like that, projecting war through age 28, that's that that that's useful, I guess. But it, it's not really comparing apples to apples with um, someone who is maybe drafted out of high school and gets to the big leagues at age 21. So doing it this way, it kind of levels the playing field and it makes sure that Cato doesn't overlook um, guys who maybe uh, didn't follow the, the traditional prospect path
0: and now it mirrors somewhat as close as you can probably to the, the years of control that a team would have as well so
3: right right that was pretty much the idea i mean it's kind of tough to do that super precisely because you never really right, know right. what age someone's going to come up and when he comes up how long he'll stay in the major leagues but i think this is it pretty closely mirrors that yeah
2: <laughs> yeah chris you're only using offensive data right no defensive metrics for your war calculations
3: Um, I use defensive position in the minor leagues. So if someone is currently playing shortstop, he'll get a bump over someone who's playing first base. But at this point, no, I I don't take into account things like UZR things or stuff like that for minor league players.
2: Okay. And you've got just, just for a real life example, you've got JP Crawford, number one, which I don't think is all that surprising compared to the scouting reports that you see He's probably one of the best prospects left in the minors right now, but you've got, uh peraza number two in my mind and again we're going to talk fantasy here in a little bit but in my mind those two prospects are very different even though they they play the same position or or have played the same position in the minors so uh, you don't have to get into super specifics but what is the data showing you that makes those two prospects so similar in, in your model
3: yeah, well, I think both of them uh, make a good amount of contact, which is something that Cato's b- values pretty heavily. Um, so I think guys who make a lot of contact, there's not as much of that boom and bust uh, potential where you got sometimes you have someone like Joey Gallo or uh, or Javier Baez who will just get to the major leagues and do nothing. So it's kind of like both of those guys don't have a ton of risk. Um, they both play premium defensive positions: uh, shortstop and Peraza. Peraza has played shortstop, but he's primarily a second baseman now. And um, in Peraza's case, uh, even though he doesn't have a lot of power, he complements all those other things with uh, a lot of speed. Um, Stolen a lot of bases in the minor leagues, and that's something that I found is very predictive of big league success, um, whether it's on the bases or uh, uh, on the field. You can easily imagine someone like Peraza slotting in in center field and being a great defender or even... Uh, the speed comes in, hand, comes in handy at second base or shortstop as well. So those are the things that really drive Peraza's uh, projection.
1: So I guess one of the other questions that I have about Cato, and I think you've mentioned this in um, one of your top, I think it was either in the top 100 list or a different article that you've written, was Cato's you of top prospect or uh, top pitching prospects. So I think you've mentioned before that like, if it really likes a starting pitcher, that pitcher tends to be very good. Um, and I think we've seen that this year kind of with like Glass, now Barrios, and others who are ranked at the top. Could you go into that maybe a
3: little bit? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Cato is that it's usually higher on hitters rather than pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of that is because scouting plays a much bigger role for pitchers than it does for hitters. Whereas if you look at a hitter, you probably know how good of a hitter he is, more or less. But if you're dealing with pitchers, um, velocity comes into play and like, how good his curveball is and things like that. So when Cato really does buy into a pitcher, that shows that his stats are very much off the charts and that he really separated himself from the rest of the pack. And when you have someone like that who also has all of the uh the kind of the, the scouting stuff to go along with it, then yeah, that's that's a very good prospect.
0: So I have a quick follow up on the uh on the hitter side. Um you talked about the the impact of um strikeout rate for the hitters specifically like Peraza and, and Crawford that, that the more contact they make that that favors them in the Cato model that was based on um, you know you kind of did some research to decide which which aspects of minor league performance were most correlated to future major league uh, performance is that correct
3: right yeah basically I, um, I, I I did some research to kind of see like looking at all the stats like whether it's contact rate walk rate uh, doubles rate, home run rate, um, how important they are relative to each other um, and how they all kind of balance each other out. And one of the things I found is that if you have a really high strikeout rate, it's you kind of have to have a lot else going for you to make it work. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible. Like Joey Gallo, for example, was, I think, in my top 30, even though he has an absurdly high strikeout rate, but... <laughs> unless you have like a lot of power or like a lot of speed or some combination of a lot of other things, uh, you're kind of a risky bet. If you're uh, uh, missing uh, if you're swinging and missing a lot in the minor leagues.
0: And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you also had a finding that that walk rate comparatively had a lot less to do with future uh, projected performance. Is that right?
3: Right. That is right. I found that walk rate in double A AA and triple A. It, it tells you something. Um, but certainly not nearly as, enough as as much as strikeout rate or power numbers. And I found that for players, when you get down to A-ball, and especially down in the short-season leagues, um, looking at a hitter's walk rate, it tells you basically almost nothing. And that if you right. have all else equal, if you have a guy with a high strikeout rate compared to a, a low strikeout rate, I mean, excuse me, a, a high walk rate compared to a low walk rate, it's really not that much different as far as what you should expect them to do in the major leagues.
0: That's very interesting stuff.
3: (laughs) Chris, I want
2: to ask you, we should have asked you in the beginning, but kind of a two-part question. One is, do you play fantasy yourself? Because I I think we do want to talk about some prospects from a fantasy perspective. But also, I'm curious, what kind of feedback you've gotten on Cato from uh, fantasy players? I I mean, I think we can all agree that fantasy baseball has been uh, positively impacted by Uh, the role of, and kind of the breakout of some great prospects over the last few years, trout all the way now to Correa and others. But I'm sure I assume that you're getting feedback regularly from fantasy players who want to know that their prospects are at the top of your list and every other list. So I'm curious if you play yourself and, and what kind of feedback you're getting on, on your lists.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but I do play in some leagues. I'm usually playing like two or three leagues a year. Um, I uh, usually do standard five by five. I don't do anything super hardcore just because um I'm kind of so busy with uh, fan graph stuff and the day job. I don't want to fully invest myself, but yeah, <laughs> I've, I've played fantasy for uh, for years now. Um, and about the feedback, I, I definitely get feedback from commenters and people emailing me and stuff like that, and they they seem very interested, especially now these days when you have all these these dynasty leagues where people are trying to get uh, players on their teams when they're down in able and stuff like that. so they seem to find it very helpful, um, especially because Cato sometimes picks out guys who maybe aren't on the top 100 list yet, but could be a year or two in the future. Um, One thing that uh, people have kind of mentioned to me is its not a criticism, but just a comment is that Cato projects war, which is obviously very important from a baseball standpoint, but most fantasy leagues don't uh, measure war or measure stats that directly correlate with war. So I think some people have been kind of asking me to work on something that focuses specifically on offensive stats, um, and that's that's certainly something I've, I want to do at some point in the future. But at this point, I haven't haven't had a chance to yet. But that's that's definitely on my radar.
2: Yeah, just to follow up, I mean that that seems like it could be a tough task to translate war into uh, exactly what. You know, every fantasy league wants to value whether, I mean, for instance, yes. we, we play in auto new and a lot of the leagues we play in is based on linear, linear weights, which is, you know, very different from five by five roto. So, um, yeah. yeah. but that's, I, I am interested in, this is not on my list, so I'm kind of hitting you with it, uh, fresh, but I am curious if you ever get to the point where I know you mentioned that walk rates are not necessarily all that telling of future performance. But I'm curious if you ever get to a a benchmark for like ISO or um, uh, contact rates and K rates and things like that, if you ever get to a, a benchmark that says, you know, if your ISO is 200 in the minors, then it becomes 150 in the majors and consistently this number of players are, are in that range. it you don't have to answer right now but I'm just curious if that would be something that would be an addition in the future.
3: I haven't looked at that yet but that's that's something I've actually thought about because I think it's that would be very useful to know and at least to see if nothing for nothing else to help explain like why the projections are what they are because if you look at someone who has like maybe if someone ranks higher or lower than most people would expect then I could just point to this research that shows that you know if you have a, an iso in this range then that shows that you're probably going to come in at this range or like if you have a very high strikeout rate that means your your iso may not translate particularly well um so yeah i haven't done that um explicitly but that's that's also on my radar i hope to get that done sometime over the course of this year
1: so i guess um just looking at some of the prospects we had listed um we can jump into any of those specifically i didn't know if trey or uh Justin, if you had one that you wanted to hop in on. Um, well, we'll let you get your boyfriend out of the way here. Oh. So uh, they make fun of me because I really like Alex Verdugo <laughs> who I actually, um, picked up because of, I think the original Cato list that you had put out was it last year had Verdugo ranked very highly. Very highly? Um, yeah, um and he's still been up near the top, but with some of the changes you've made, it has dropped a little bit. So I didn't know if you could, could you kind of talk about him specifically? And, um, maybe what Cato sees in
3: him that um, would rank him higher than other lists? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as you say, Verdugo has been on Cato's radar for, for a while now, like going back to even after the 2014 season, um, after he had just finished dominating rookie ball, after he was drafted out of high school. Um, and then last year, he he spent most of the year in low A, and, and he did pretty well, despite the fact that he opened the year as an, an 18-year-old um Verdugo he makes lots of contact uh he hit over 300 last year and and he even stole some bases um the one area where he's always kind of been lacking especially last year was is in the the power department um but I was reading somewhere that he made some adjustments to his swing um late in the year and then actually it shows up in the numbers you see he hit four home runs in uh in 23 games um following an August promotion to high a um I don't think he's ever going to be a huge power guy, but you know, maybe 15 homers with, with a bunch of doubles, so that's probably not out of the question. Um, and with a high average, that's still very useful. Yeah, with a high average, that's that's a very good player, even if you're talking like a, a corner outfielder. Um, mm-hmm. And Verdugo, I, he's creeping be, onto some top 100 lists now, and I think his stock is definitely on the rise. Um, I could easily see him making it all the way to A this year and maybe making it to the big leagues by 2017, 2018. All right, Justin, I think we're to you. Yeah,
2: speaking about boyfriends, I think Justin is about to, <laughs> he's about to ask you about.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I razzed Joe about Verdugo, but I have my own uh, uh, um, precious prospects here. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Clayton Blackburn, and I've been kind of vocal about it for, for the last year plus. Um, I know he rates pretty highly in Cato as well. Um, so I just, same, same as Joe had a question about Verdugo, and, and if you could follow up on, on Blackburn as well um what Cato sees in him that that ranks him a lot higher than than most prospects lists do i mean you have 28th on the on looks on the most recent update um and he's like the, the sixth or seventh pitcher if i'm counting that out correctly so um Cato's got a much favorable um response to Blackburn
3: than most of the traditional uh, scouting top 100s do so so yeah he's a he's like 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 a verdugo he's another one that Cato has been kind of on for a while um and although he's never really gotten much attention on more traditional prospect lists, his, uh, his minor league numbers have been excellent. Um, he, he pitched very well last year in AAA as a 22-year-old. He had His fifth was uh, down in the mid-threes, and he, he struck out a good amount of batters, and he dominated in 2014 at the A level. Um, of course, with a guy like that, there's, there's a reason why he's. I'm one of the few that's acknowledging his success. Um, he doesn't really have the stuff as a top-of-the-rotation top starter um and obviously if you're targeting pitching prospects you'd prefer to go for the guy who has no doubt big league stuff and the excellent minor league numbers but i mean there are only so many lucas giolitos and tyler glass now in the world um and once you get down a couple of tiers i think you're kind of left with the less than perfect prospects and that's that's where someone like uh, clayton blackburn falls in
0: yeah i mean my sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but you know, my personal opinion on Blackburn is, is he's one of those classic sort of um, you know, maybe it's not a high ceiling, but it's a high floor. You know, he's going to make the major leagues. He's going to be productive and maybe he won't ever be a star, but he's one of those guys that is constantly going to be underrated, but he'll, he'll be able to have this, but even in, even in fantasy, he'll he'll have some productive seasons, I think. So.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's could easily be a a mid rotation starter and, at this point, he's, he's proven that he can get AAA league A hitters out, and um, usually guys like that are able to get big league hitters out too. Um, I mean, certainly the average big league hitter is much better than the average AAA hitter, but I don't think the talent gap there is so enormous that it requires a completely different set of skills. And I think Blackburn has shown that he he can get hitters out. Chris, I wanted to
2: ask you just kind of a follow up on Verdugo because I wanted to ask you about McKinney, Billy McKinney in the Cubs system. I guess he was traded from the A's, but um, I wanted to ask you about him because I don't, unless I'm wrong, I don't see him show up in the k list at all. And the way you described Verdugo kind of reminded me of him and he's on my mind because Joe and I just drafted him in a, in a deep minor league draft recently. And I also acquired him in a different draft or in a different uh, trade. So, you know, he, did pretty well in single in high a in 2015 went to double a and did pretty well. He doesn't have super high ISO, but how does he differ from a guy like Verdugo? He seems like a guy who would make a lot of high contact and hit for high average.
3: Yeah. um, Verdugo and McKinney are are pretty similar prospects in my view. Um, Both were high school draftees who didn't get a ton of buzz. um, Yet both have kind of thrived against much older competition in the minors. albeit without all that much power. Um, McKinney last year was a 20-year-old between high A and double A, while Verdugo was a year behind. Um, And I think both of them will be productive big leaguers. Um, Verdugo got the high Cato ranking, but McKinney was, I think, just outside the top 100. Um, But I do think that Verdugo is a little bit of a better prospect. Um, For one, he's a little bit faster. So he's a better bet to stick in center, or at least be a very good corner outfielder where there's not so much pressure on, on the bat, especially for a guy with not a ton of power. Um in addition to that, Verdugo has done a better job of making contact in the minors. Um his strikeout rate was twelve percent last year, while McKinney's rates have been, I think, in the more like fifteen, sixteen percent range. And uh strikeout rate, as I said before, is a very important. It's um it's an indicator of how we'll fare against uh better competition. So even though McKinney's a tad closer to the big leagues, I think uh Verdugo's a better bet to succeed once he gets there
1: okay good thanks for driving up the price uh, for us to acquire
2: to from justin i appreciate that
1: so one of the things that i wanted to touch on real quick um because we mentioned that this is kind of for fantasy purposes at least on our end and a lot of the leagues that we play in are linear weights where speed or stolen bases specifically aren't valued nearly as highly um, and so i I guess tying that into the Cato rankings, I would look at players like maybe a Malik Smith or a Peraza, who you mentioned, where the values tend to be tied more to speed as players who may not necessarily be ranked so highly. Um, and I, I guess following up on that, I would say, like, have you noticed specifically any blind spots for Cato? Like, is there a certain type of prospect that the system tends to miss on, or if it's going to miss, like maybe
3: the ones that like it would miss the the biggest on? Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest blind spot is that it doesn't take into account um, like tools and scouting grades and things like that. Um, so if you have a guy who maybe has great tools, but uh, his performance hasn't quite caught up to it yet, then Cato is bound to miss on someone like that. Um, I think the current prospect that jumps into my head on that one is um, is Byron Buxton. Uh, Cato Cato liked Buxton. I think it had him around number 50 or something like that. Um, but obviously he's one of the, the top prospects in baseball in a, uh, but by, by most other lists. So I think that's kind of the biggest area guys like that. And on the other end, maybe guys who uh, put up good minor league numbers, but are really, really lacking in tools. Um, ones who scouts kind of peg as career minor leaguers and then Kato will be all over them. In reality, they, they might end up as, you know, nothing more than a bench player. So yeah, I think that's the one area where it misses most.
2: Chris, you talked about Buxton. He's probably one of the, I guess he's maybe number one or number two highest ranked offensive prospect, but I wanted to ask you about Blake Snell. He's up there for pitching prospects, and he kind of came out of nowhere last year, had a great year. What do you think about him, and what is what does Cato tell you about Blake Snell?
3: Yeah, I mean, kind of just like everyone else, Cato thinks that Snell is going to be really good. Um, he wasn't really a huge prospect heading into 2015, both uh, statistically and in terms of scouting and reputation and things like that, but um he really broke out last year and shot from from A ball all the way up to triple A and, and dominated at at every stop. Um I think at this point he looks like he's right on the brink of the majors. Um and his strikeout numbers in the minors they were they they were just absurd. I think he was he was over thirty percent last year, so he's obviously fooling lots of hitters. Um Cato is maybe not fully in on him. Um just because of his age. I like think he's 23 already and he doesn't have a huge track record. You look back at his 2014 numbers and they weren't quite as good, but um seeing the strikeout numbers and that he knowing that he has the stuff to back it up, I I have little reason to think he won't be a terrific big leaguer in the in the near future.
0: You you mentioned um age there specifically with with Blake Snell um I'm assuming that's one of the big inputs in Cato is is age versus the level that they're at is that correct is that correct that's correct yeah so obviously you know a 22 year old doing something in a ball isn't nearly as as impressive as that same 22 year old doing it at triple a
3: right yeah and another thing that you need to take into account is whether someone's a a high school draftee or a college draftee because obviously if you're you're out of high school and you're a, a 23 year old like Blake Snell is then that's that kind of suggests that it took you a while to get through the minor leagues. Whereas if you're you're a, a college draftee, then that could be your first year. And you know, it's, it's a little more acceptable, I think, to be um, uh, kind of an older prospect if it's your first or second year in the minors. Whereas if you're a high school guy, it kind of shows that you may be sna- stagnated a little bit and there's something about your profile that has prevented you from uh, figuring it out up to this point.
0: So is that an explicit distinction that you make in the in the Cato model that, that it's a college draftee yeah. at twenty three versus a high school draftee at twenty three?
3: Yes, it is. Um, it really oh, okay. doesn't it doesn't have a huge effect. Um, it's certainly not as much as something like uh, like a, a change in strikeout rate or a change in age or anything like that, but it, it does that is something that it takes into account and one of the things I found is that, you know, if you're if you're a college guy, you, you could get a little more slack for struggling if you're a little older your level.
0: Okay. That's very interesting. All
3: right. Trey, do you want
0: to? Yeah. I
2: just wanted to ask Chris, I mean, we talked about snow kind of rising out of nowhere. Do you have a a handful of prospects that you wanted to mention, Chris, that maybe either aren't on the radar yet, uh, or that have gained what you think is a lot of value this winter and going into the 2016 season that you're excited to watch? watch?
3: Yeah. Um, one guy that Cato really likes that's pretty far off the radar is uh, the shortstop in the Padres system named uh, Rudy gyron uh, he's actually last year he was an 18 year old and he was in in full season ball and he did a pretty decent job he hit for a good amount of power um, made contact he stole a few bases and that's a pretty impressive offensive profile especially for someone who plays shortstop so I'm really interested to see, see what he does next year and I think if he uh, continues to Put up good power numbers as a as a 19 year old shortstop in High A. I I have no reason to think that he won't kind of ascend to the top of the um the top of the the more uh, traditional top 100 lists. Um, another guy that uh, I kind of like is Jake Bowers, a first baseman in the Rays system. Uh, he's not a traditional first baseman in that he hits a lot of home runs, but makes a lot of contact and he's been very very young for his level i think he's played in double a last year as a 20 year old so i think he's someone who could be in the big leagues pretty soon at 21 or 22 and kind of be a one of those sneaky guys who makes a lot of contacts it's for a high average and maybe it's 15 home runs or so
1: and chris as far as i know with bowers uh at least in the arizona fall league wasn't he playing outfield
3: as well yeah, I believe he was. So that, okay. that also increases his flexibility. If he can play first base and the outfield, obviously. That's just another way that he can break into the Rays lineup. So yeah, I think there's yeah. lots of ways he can provide value going forward.
1: Okay, so I guess um, one of the other questions that we have is just uh, Cato's top 100 rankings this year. You've put out two lists so far, and I didn't know if you were going to update that again as Fangraphs publishes their top 100 lists, or if you've kind of set um, what the top 100 for Cato looks like this year. I just wanted yeah, to pick I'm, your brain, I
3: guess. I'm set for now. Um, okay, I'm okay. always kind of working in the background, trying out new things to see what might be able to improve it and what might stick. But okay, I don't okay. have anything uh, right at the forefront right now. So I think this is the one I'm, I'm ready to, to roll with to, as we start the season. Okay.
2: And Chris, just to follow up on Joe's question, how much how much data will you need in the 2016 season to make a significant update? I mean, is it... Is it weeks, you know, is it 100 at-bats for a hitter? Or, I mean, when when is it significant enough to make a, an adjustment to kind of rerun the the formula?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I could rerun it at any point. Um, and I'm working to get it to a point where I can rerun it very quickly and easily at pretty much any time. Um, and it would just take into account the 2016 data and just kind of weigh it a lot less than the 2015 data. But I would say it probably takes maybe a month or so before we really would really start to see changes guys moving up and down. I think over the first few weeks it would probably be in the data at that point is so, so small. It doesn't really mean a heck of a lot. So yeah, I think probably mid season is when I'd start to really roll out updates.
1: Cool. Well, I have one last question then, and this is kind of uh, just on a more fun note, but we'll wrap up on this is, um, Has anyone really um, gotten in touch with you in the Brewer system at all? It seems like every trade that they've made this off season has really been uh, either implicitly or explicitly targeting guys who have been on the top of your list. Um, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't, I I just wondered if you had any feedback
3: on that at all or what that's been like for you. Or if
0: you're secretly David Stearns.
3: (laughs) I'm not secretly David Stearns, but you know, you got to, kind of start to wonder if maybe they're like hacking into my computer or something. (laughs) It feels like, feels like every trade they make, they're, they're going to get one of my guys. And it's great to see these guys getting (laughs) a, getting attention from someone and being in the news. But yeah, I mean, the Brewers are a very analytical organization. Uh, So Mm -hmm. they seem to be seeing, seeing what I'm seeing one way or another. And, you know, hopefully in a few years it it pans out for them. So they have a lot of guys who are maybe not consensus top prospects, but who have, interesting attributes and have done well in the minor leagues. And I think that a few of them will pan out and they'll get some, some nice, uh, a nice core to build around.
1: Yeah. Well, they've definitely gathered a profile and I, I just think that that's really cool. Having developed this model to be able to see some of these p- players go through and trades and be like, Hey, I knew about this guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe before <laughs> the general consensus. So absolutely. Um, okay. Well, unless I, uh, or Justin, you have any more questions or there's anything else you want to talk about, Chris, I think we can wrap this up, but, uh, was there anything else guys or are you, you want me to I just wanted to
2: say thank you to Chris. I mean it's it's always yeah. great yeah. to hear. It's I look forward to his um his analysis on the on the prospect list by team. So I think recently he just did the the Dodgers and I I like digging into that stuff. So um great work and thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, thank you. And look out for the uh, Athletics and Yankees. They should be up on the on FanGraphs this week. Okay.
0: Great, thanks,
2: Chris.
1: Yeah, thanks again, Chris. So that will wrap up episode three of Autographs. If you have any feedback or questions, feel free to hit us up in the comments or rate and review on iTunes. Thanks again for joining us. Have a good night.